2018 is underway. And I cannot believe the way this year has started. A lot of it had to do with what happened at the end of 17. And boom, it's like we've exploded right into 2018. And this is the first ever Scott Kaplan solo podcast. So I want to say to all the great friends, people who have been listeners on the Mighty 1090 on radio forever, folks that catch up to me uh, on NFL games on Westwood One or in years past on television on CBS, my kids always say to me, Dad, how do people know who you are? And I'm like, I don't know, social media. So for everybody that follows on Twitter and Facebook and all these other different ways, this is the first ever Scott Kaplan solo podcast. And you know, for all these years, 17 years, Billy Ray and I have been on the radio together. And it's just feeling for me like it's about that time to start doing some stuff solo. So here I am, like uh, like other lead singers from bands that have gone out and done solo projects. Here I am in the first five minutes of every one of my solo podcasts. I want to give you some thoughts as to what's on my mind as we go into a really great interview, somebody that's interesting and we can get deep and we don't have to worry about restrictions and, and commercials. But in these first five minutes, I want to give you what's going on. And for me, the year ended so sadly with the passing of Dick Emberg. In fact, when I was putting this podcast together, when I was starting to formulate it, and I got to give credit to my, my friend Chris Cantori here in San Diego, who um, who has really hustled to make his podcast and his network really work. And, and interviewing me, it really inspired me. And um, so the year just ended in this weird way with, with the passing of Dick Emberg. And Dick was the number one guy on my list of who I wanted to interview for my first podcast. And of course, little did I know that here we would be first week of 2018 producing our first podcast and Dick Emberg will not be our guest. Our guest today will actually be Jim Nance and Jim Nance will talk to us about Dick Emberg. And by the way, um, we had Jim Nance on the radio on Wednesday and I was planning on having Jim for a much deeper investigative sort of interview for this podcast. And based on the reaction that we got from the interview yesterday, I'm going to give you that as my Jim Nance slash Dick Emberg tribute, but so unbelievably sad to lose a mentor, a friend, um, someone who I really, really idolize. And when I say that, I mean, if Dick Emberg called me, I couldn't believe his number was popping up on my phone. When he said, Scott, it's Dick. I, I can't believe Dick Emberg knows who I am. It was a very sad ending to the year. And then as we got into the new year, to have my colleague here at the Mighty 1090, Dan Cilio, up and resign. Look, Dan's doing what's best for Dan, okay? But Dan certainly wasn't doing what was best for 1090. I can't necessarily blame him. I get it. I really do. I mean, Dan's contract was up, and according to Dan, and who knows what you buy when you're talking to Dan, and when I say talking to him, I mean him talking to us on Facebook. Dan's contract was up. 1090 wanted to re-sign him. Frankly, from what I'm hearing, they were trying to cut his salary. Dan, I think, outsmarted everybody. I think Dan Cilio pretty much outsmarted everybody that thought he has no options. And what a way to start the new year. Here, here's the, the loss of the legend, Dick Emberg, 82 years old, drops dead of a massive heart attack in his home, active, living, happy, had time in his life. And then all of a sudden it was gone. And then like the next week, Cilio, I'm done with 1090. I'm moving on. 
I've got a new deal. Um, this is, you know, really a wave of emotions from sadness to, geez, what did he just do? And how does it impact the station? How does it impact us? I always look at things like this as an opportunity to get bigger and better. I know so many people have contacted me telling me how much they hated Cilio's show. But I know there are a whole, a whole bunch of other people that love Cilio's show. I wish nothing but the best for Dan. I, I don't like the way this all went down, though. So it's been a, a really, you know, kind of crazy start to the year. The, the way the year ended, the way the year has begun. So I'm excited for this 2018 podcast. I'm going to produce them weekly. And again, with no restrictions on language, with no time restrictions because of commercials, I think we can go really deep. The legendary Dick Emberg was honored by CBS's Jim Nance. And when you think of Jim Nance in sports casting, there's nobody bigger. The Masters, the Super Bowl, the National Championship of College Basketball, there is no bigger titan in the world of sports broadcasting right now than Jim Nance. But like Dick Emberg, a great entrepreneur uh, beyond just sports casting. The guy has sat on boards of, of tons of big-time companies, mostly related to the golf industry. Now he runs his own winery, and uh, not to mention so much in the philanthropic world. So it was really interesting to have this conversation with Jim Nance about the legendary Dick Emberg. Jim Nance from the NFL on CBS. Hi, Jim. Hello, friend. How are you today? Doing great, Doing man. Great, Thank Jim. you so much for being here today. Hello, both of you. Uh, it's great to be back on the show. I I just heard the news. I guess Sam Darnold's going, coming out, huh, to the to the draft. Yep, Sam Darnold and Josh Rosen. So the USC and the UCLA quarterback, mm-hmm. both both taken off. Well, you know they're going to go high. They're going to go in the first couple of picks. I don't know which one I'd want more, but uh, I like the way Darnold handled um, the questions about where he would be willing to play versus what Rosen said, which uh, definitely hurt some feelings around Cleveland. Not that uh, anything that comes out of the Browns headquarters these days is very positive, <laughs> but if I was a young kid, I would be I'd be going with the Darnold approach that uh, it will be uh, a dream come true to play anywhere in the NFL. And I eagerly, you know, anticipate uh, or look forward to the chance to try to help the team win. So I salute him for that. And based on that, I'd give him the edge. (laughs) (laughs) Ironically enough, Jim, um, Kurt Warner was just on a few minutes ago. We asked him, Darnold versus Rosen, who do you like? And he said, from a skill set standpoint, he likes Rosen more. (laughs) Oh, okay. Yeah, so he likes the skills. You like the attitude. And I think that's those are very interesting perspectives. They're going to get picked apart here for the next three or four months and Mm. it'll be fascinating to see how it all ends up jim i wanted to talk today about dick emberg um who i'm glad you did yeah i've been since since uh since the night of the news it's been uh honestly i haven't gone very long uh any one of these days since december 21st uh without thinking about dick and especially today i might add i was uh narrating a show that's going to air on cbs sports network on January 15th, it's an hour special on the game of the century, UCLA against Houston. And it's a show that uh, I had the great honor of hosting on November 3rd. We taped it in Houston, and Dick did the show with me. And it turns out to be his last television production. And uh, so today we had to go in and, and do some voiceover pieces um, I was there with the with the producer uh, via satellite link, Chip Reeves, 
And man, we were just uh, we just couldn't stop talking about what it was like to work with Dick on that show. Of course, I was so blessed to have many experiences working with Dick all the years he was at CBS. And uh, boy, it just uh, was amazing to think that um, there we were in Houston just uh, two months ago today. Well, you know, ironically, and, I want to just yeah. tell you something, you, Jim. You you want to know what happened is so so that day. I don't remember if you, if you know. Well, I don't know if you know what day of the week it was that, that Dick came down to yeah, Houston. Yeah, the the, uh, the 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 big tra- the big race was the next day at Del Mar. So what happened was, yeah, yeah. So so yeah. what happened was we we had said to Dick, I had, I'd called Dick Emberg and I said, Dick, can, can we have lunch? I want to talk to you about the possibility of being involved in the Breeders' Cup festivities. So we met for lunch. And um, we started to put the press on him. We said, you know, we really want to honor you this night with the Breeders' Cup um, Lifetime Excellence Award. And, you know, Dick, he's like, no, I'm not. I don't want to be honored. I thank you. I'm so flattered. And as the course of the lunch went on, it was like, but Dick, don't you see that this is really good for horse racing and it's really good for Del Mar and it's really good for San Diego and it's really good for the Boys and Girls Club. And by the end of the lunch, Dick was in and was like, what if we got Bill Walton? And what if we got Jim Nance? And what if we got Alma? Like, and, and so now he, the producer in, in Dick started to come out. And that night, it was so magical, Jim. You were working NFL football, and Al Michaels was out busy working NFL football. But there were so many great people that were there from the horse racing community um, and the NFL that were there that night talking about Dick. And like you, who, who had your last experience with him there in early November— I have this picture of he and I that night. I got to MC the event, and and we were holding this trophy that that he was awarded with, and it's the last picture that I have. And it just I've been on the road for the last week doing games and just dying because I'm like I would not be out here. I would not be out here on the road if it wasn't for Dick Emberg. And I was just so heavy hearted. I'm just every day. Just I am too. Me. I still am. You know, sometimes, you know, we. It, it, it hits you different ways, you know, depending on what your ties are to an individual or whatever. But in Dick's case, he was such a part of my youth, and you could both feel the same way as I do about that. And so do so many of your listeners right now. Thousands right now on the road are saying, yeah, Dick was a part of my life. We let him in our living room every single week. Right. And then you actually grow up and you get to know him. You know, you get to work with him. You get to even describe him as a friend. And uh, it just, it, I know that Dick was 82 years old. He was a very youthful 82 years old. But, like, this is for whatever reason, I just can't believe he's gone. It doesn't, it just, it seemed like he just seemed like one of those guys that, you know, he was going to live forever. He should have lived forever. He was just such a good person, such a good soul. Uh, cared so much about the people he was around. Such a perfectionist about his work. Loved his family. He was just he was just a great man, and I know how much he meant to San Diego. You know, I, I had one other experience with him after we taped that show, oh, uh, that television show, November 3rd. On, on, on December 12th, I actually appeared on his podcast. Right, right. I remember and he, he was promoting and it. it. I mean, it, it's has, it hasn't come out yet. You yeah. know, the Sounds of Success, I believe, is what the series was called, yeah. but I think it was his next-to-last podcast that he recorded. His last one, I believe, officially was Jay Billis which was two days before his death on the 19th. So anyway, uh, I, I was really eager to do this and even downright a little bit nervous about it, trying to swap stories and, and just you know, be able to converse with Dick, which I've done many times, but to be with, with it being recorded, that's the same way I felt when we were taping the TV show about the game of the century. It's just, I was in awe of the man. So anyway, we, uh, we, 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 
put the podcast together on the Tuesday, nine days before he suddenly passed. And we went for an hour and a half and it felt like it was 15 minutes. <laughs> and it was, he, he came into it. Look, he knew me pretty well. I mean, I mean, I've known Dick for a long time, but there were some little nuances about some of the things in my career. Of course, he was showering all of the, you know, questions and praise in my direction, which you know, I was completely unworthy, but uh, he, there was some, again, some of the little nuance of moments in my life and career uh, that no one would know unless they were able to dig a little deep, which he had done. Typical, typical, typifies what, how Dick would prepare for everything. So I was talking to this, this guy, Chip Reeves, who produced this TV show, which will, again, be the last TV show he's ever part of. And it airs January 15th. And he was saying that in the weeks leading up to coming to Houston, you know, he wanted research materials and He'd had dinner with Dick the night before, which I wasn't able to attend because I had to do a Thursday night game in, in New York. And I flew in for this thing on Friday, November 3rd, the, the, the day of the taping. But they, they had gone out to dinner the night before. And he said, you know, Dick was, he described it as nervous. Chip described it as a little nervous about, you know, making sure that he had all the facts straight because it had been 50 years. And uh, he said he was just so professional. He wanted nothing but information. And you could tell when we taped the show, he, it was, he was so prepared. He was, it was, it was amazing too, just to hear his sentence structure. You know, how that was, I mean, everything that left his lips was, was poetry. And, you know, he, he was trying to get out that night. We taped it in front of a live audience on the Houston campus. I had to scurry up to Dallas to do a Sunday game. Now, as it turns out, Kansas city and Dallas and, Dick was trying to get home Friday night in advance of, of Del Mar and the Breeders' Cup, but he ended up saying, hey, guys, forget about my 8.30 flight. Let's, let's just do what we've got to do. I'm having a good time. And he ended up staying that night in Houston and going out with the crew again, which they loved, of course. But, uh, again, I felt badly. I ended up, uh, because I was doing a third event in four days, um, in this case, I actually had a plane waiting to take me to Dallas. When I left to say goodbye to Dick, I thought, man, what's wrong with this picture? I'm getting on a plane to go to Dallas and leaving Dick Emberg behind. Now, granted, I had to go do an NFL game and be in place for meetings on, on Saturday morning, the next morning with, with the Cowboys. But I hated to leave because it was just such a joyride being there with uh, Dick and Seth Davis and Elvin Hayes and Don Chaney. And uh, anyway, it was just uh, it was just a magical night. And I asked Chip. <clears throat> I said to him today, I said, you've screened it. You've put your segments together. Basically, it was a roundtable leading at the highlights of the game. you got to understand, Dick called this the, the, the most important event he ever called. It was his first national broadcast. And I read all the obits. He, it was in all the obituaries, too. Where Dick was quoted as saying this was the, the biggest show of his career, this game in 1968. It was his first national telecast. And it was Eddie Einhorn who put this broadcast together. You know, you got UCLA on a 47-game win streak, number one in the country, Houston number two, undefeated, playing in the Houston Astros. It was the game that popularized college basketball. That was Dick's first national exposure. And how amazing is it, how fitting is it, though, his last television appearance ends up being a show remembering that game from 50 years ago, his first national telecast, ends up being a review of that, and it's his last show. It's 
there's all there's been a couple of weird little cosmic things that have gone on here recently, Jim. I don't know if you realize this or not. The day, and I, it may have been that it may have been um, was it was it New England against Buffalo? What game were you and Tony Romo doing where you did your tribute to Dick? It was it was it was the Buffalo at New England game on Christmas Eve the twenty fourth. The end of that. Um, I've played it a few times here over the last couple of days since we're back from break. And I said this on Twitter. I know you didn't say this with Scott and Billy Ray and, and our audience in the San Diego market. I know you didn't say this with us in mind, but it felt like you were talking directly to us. You know, you've said hello, friends, forever on CBS. We've called our audience the great friends for 15 years. And when you your last line was something along the, something about a remarkable voice and a great friend. And again, yeah. it was like oh, you were it was like you were talking to all of us, not me and Billy Ray, all of us mm-hmm. who love Dick Emberg in San Diego. Well, that that piece that you're talking about when when I flew to 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 New England to Boston to do that game, um we were we we had a crew that was putting that piece together a guy named Pete Radovich you may know Pete sure. he's amazing mm-hmm. and anyway they sent a, uh, an audio technician to the hotel we actually stayed out in Providence so by the time I got there you know we had to um, put that together and 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 narrate it at one o'clock in the morning and it it aired the it aired the next the next day as you said but you know, I've gotten to know through the years, uh, um, all, you know, so many of the broadcasters of my youth, and they've all—it's been remarkable getting to know them. And and uh, it's just, uh, you know, the the passing of Dick Emberg just uh, just doesn't still to this day feel real to me. And I've gotten to know through him his good friend Todd Anson. I don't know if you yeah, know of Todd, he's a he good was, friend of mine as well. Amazing guy, mm-hmm. and. You know, he uh, was there when we recorded the podcast. I was up here at my home in Pebble Beach. And of course, they were in a studio down there. And and uh, anyway, it, I, I told a story to Todd. I don't think I've ever said it before, but you know, probably everyone has a, a Dick Enberg story like this. But in, in 1991, I was on a family vacation through Europe for like the first, well, one of the first times I'd ever done anything quite that exotic. And I found myself in London with some time to kill, basically a day to kill before I was going to fly back. And through uh, IMG, um, I was able to secure a ticket to go out to Wimbledon. And the day was the first day, the Monday, the opening day of the of the 91 Wimbledon Championships. And when I got out there, the skies opened up, and it rained all day long. There wasn't a single point played. And in fact, it was like the third time in the hundred-year history of Wimbledon there had never been a single point played on the day. Um, so I'm walking around though and looking at the courts and you know just checking it all out. And it, that was just as interesting to me, by the way, as watching the tennis. When all of a sudden, who do I stumble across but Dick, Dick Emberg? Now I'm a young broadcaster. I'd started CBS in 1985, but you no, know, it blew my mind that he was first so gracious to me. He knew who I was. And um, he said, well, what, what, what do you plan on doing the rest of the day? I said, oh, I'm just taking it all in. He says, well, let me give you a tour. Wow. The next thing you know, two hours have passed. I've seen every little back alley, broadcast booth, uh, production studio, 
Dick's office, he introduced me, though, to all the dignitaries there that run the All England Club. I mean, he took me around like I was a past Wimbledon champion. I was a 30-year-old kid. And, I mean, it just left an indelible mark. You know, I just thought, that you know, that's, I mean, that's how you treat someone. You know, I mean, that's, that's how you take care of a younger broadcaster. That's just how you, that's just, just the decency of how you treat someone. I mean, that was from a superstar to a nobody. It was just a, one of the most exquisite things of my life. And um, I've never forgotten that. I mentioned that to Dick a few times. Oh, you know, I said to him, Dick, that was just so above and beyond. Oh, no, that was nothing. That was fun. I enjoyed it. I remember it. I remember <clears throat> but it was extraordinary, and, and just about everything that he touched was just that, extraordinary. You know, we're talking to Jim Nance from CBS Sports about Dick Emberg's passing. One of the things that I loved about Dick Emberg was it wasn't just that he was a great broadcaster, Jim. I, I, I said it all the time, and, and I said it that night of, of the Breeders' Cup event, which, again, was on a Wednesday night. He left that night, as I recall, because he said, i got to leave, I'm going to Houston because he was going down there to be with you on Friday. So this right. was on Wednesday. Exactly right. And by the way, at 82 years old, he wasn't slowing down. Mm-hmm. I mean, he wasn't calling baseball games every day, but he wasn't slowing down. He was working. He was hustling. So what I thought was so remarkable about Dick Emberg was that, yes, he was the great broadcaster. Super Bowls, Wimbledons, Olympics. We can read the resume. What I think of him, though, as I got to know him in the last 15 years, and especially closely in the last I'd say seven to ten years. He was also a great, what I call, media entrepreneur, Jim. And I don't know how you feel about this, but I felt very inspired by Dick, not just as a broadcaster, but he was a playwright. And he was a professor of sorts. And he was a business guy. And he, was, he, he wasn't just a guy who had a job for a network and called games. He was so much more. And I, I know you are as well. And I, I just wonder if you kind of look at that at all. Because most guys back in the day were they they had a job they they called a game they did a radio show whatever their broadcast job was and that was their job and that was kind of the end of what they did. Whereas Dick Emberg had his hands in a million different things as you do as I do as you know, we we were all interested in a lot more than just calling games. Well, he you you you've you've hit on something here. He had the mental uh, dexterity to be able to be brilliant at many things, and and you're right. I mean, I I guess nationally has been boiled down to this remarkable versatile career but those who really knew dick knew that his interests were were vast and and uh they they included you know eclectic i mean he he was first off he knew a lot about wine for example he took great pride in the wine cellar he has had in his home um he took tremendous pride in writing that that play about al mcguire Mm -hmm. i think he got it Found as much joy out of that as anything uh, that he'd ever done. Uh, you know, I, I tell you another thing that I shared with with Dick was the fact that I got to work with Billy Packer for so many years, uh, for eighteen years, and 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 Dick so remembered for the triumvirate of Enberg, Packer, and McGuire. So I had a lot of years to talk with Billy about what it was like to work with Dick. And, you know, he, uh, Billy, just as you might imagine, just, just thought he was one of the great, great human beings you'd ever met. 
and he, I, I think he was dazzled too by just how brilliant his mind was and, and how he had all of this going for him. And he still had that, that touch, you know, for the, for the common man. He oh, just, right. And that was Al McGuire. I mean, you know, the, the mm-hmm. Al McGuire thing, Jim, what always blew me away. And I must've seen the Al McGuire play probably five or six times in person. And what always blew my mind was Dick Emberg was the bigger star. I don't care if Al McGuire won a national championship. In my opinion, Dick Emberg was by far and away the much bigger star. We can debate it if you want to. But that said, when his relationship with Al was so special to him and Al was such a special character to him, he wrote a play about this guy's life. Isn't that amazing? And, and, And Jim, by the way, I've I've used this there's one line in the play that that he he talked about where Al would say to him Dixie today make a left turn in other words every day you wake up you get up you put your pants on you go to work you have lunch you get done with work you come home you put your kids to bed you go to sleep you do it all over again he would say to Dick take a left turn do something completely different out of the ordinary go the opposite direction and man I use that all the time you know, or, or the stories of, of when Al McGuire, Dick one time was getting ready for a game broadcast and he had no voice, none, zero. And he says to Al, I'm going to help you get through this, but you're going to have to call this game. And Al McGuire says to Dick, Dixie, if you're not doing it, I'm not doing it. Let's go. You know? I mean, these were the stories that Dick wanted to tell about Al McGuire. Yes. Hey, most selfless guy in the world. Seriously, broadcasters today, a great many of them come along and are trying to, and I'm, I'm, again, I'm not trying to generalize here, but a great many want to make the event about them. Dick always wanted to make his commentary, his broadcast about the subjects he was covering. Even when he was he covering the Padres, Jim. his audience and stories about people and what made them special. Right. And, he, and of course, here he was, like you said, he was the king. And it was he never wanted the spotlight to be on him. Now, I will tell you this. When he came to CBS, we were so fortunate to have him, I believe, I want to say 11 years. And I, you know, I called Sean McManus, by the way, when Dick passed. And I just said, I just, I just want to thank you. Uh, I know you didn't do it for me, but the fact that you brought Dick to the end of his career, you brought him over to CBS and treated him with such dignity and for me to have a chance for him to show up at the Final Fours and the Masters Tournament and the PGA Championship and work these events with Dick, at that point of my career, uh, it was important. I had been so lucky to work with Pat Summerall at the beginning for 10 years. Uh, but then there was a 10-year stretch where I didn't have one of these like legends that I looked up to around me. And now all of a sudden, you know, Dick's a member. He's got the CBS Blazer on. It meant so much to me just to be in his sphere, in his universe at these events, watch him work and ask him questions. And as always, he was so generous and sharing, you know, little pieces of advice and wisdom. So we're in New York at a basketball seminar. And I'm working with Billy, which, you know, this that, that union that started back in 91 – but now we're probably talking, I, I don't know, this is years later, but Dick's come over to to um, to CBS. And um, at the seminar, I wanted, I really wanted to kind of see everybody uh, together again. You know, um, Al and 
and Billy and, and Dick, and I think I got my ears straight here. I think it was over a seminar, but whatever. We were in New York. We went to a, a famous Italian restaurant in New York. I got to sit and watch those gentlemen interact together. And, it, I mean, it was such a thrill just to, to see them kind of pick up like they were on the air from 19, I want to say, 77 through 81 or something like that. And, uh, you know, Al definitely is a guy that would make a left turn or two on a daily basis. <clears throat> so I'm at this dinner, and it's a fine restaurant. It was supposedly was Sinatra's big place in New York. Of course, a million places claim that. <laughs> and the waiter comes over and asks Al what he would like for dinner. And he says, do you have any peanut butter and jelly in the back? <laughs> the guy said, no. He said, we're an Italian restaurant, sir. He says, well, I'd really like what I'd really like is a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. On, on white bread. And the waiter uh, was you know, completely dumbfounded, had no idea who was sitting there at that table. And um, anyway, we ordered, the rest of us ordered, and Al got up, left the table, and he was gone for like 10 minutes. We're, but we're in New York. There was like a little supermarket on the corner. He walked in carrying a plastic sack of food. It was a loaf of bread and a jar of peanut butter and jelly. Oh, wow. And he sat there at the table and made himself a peanut butter and jelly sandwich in Beautiful. front of us. <laughs> Beautiful. That's Al McGuire <laughs> yeah. right there. Jim Nance from CBS Sports talking to us this afternoon about Dick Emberg. Jim, I was in New York last week, and I go into this this restaurant bar in the village nearby where I was staying, and I'm, I'm by myself in the whole place. I'm me and a friend and, and the bartender. And... Um, I said, hey, you know, can I get a glass of, of cab? I want to raise a glass to my, my friend. And, I, and uh, this friend of mine said, you know, he, he, he lost a friend recently. He just lost a friend. And the guy said, oh. And I, I said, yeah, you know, he's a very famous guy and a really important part of my life. And, and um, I said, I don't know if you know the name Dick Emberg. And the guy, the guy, the bartender, we're by ourselves in the bar. He says, oh, my. And, and he starts going into all this Dick Emberg stuff, right? So now he's poured these glasses of wine for us, and we all toast to Dick Emberg. And I say to the bartender, I say, well, what is your name, sir? And he said, my name's Dick. Bartender's name was Dick as he was pouring these glasses of oh, wine man. as we were toasting to Dick Emberg. <laughs> Jim, I'll tell you, man, I, I've got That was a, a great line, too, wasn't it? Oh, my. And, oh my. Uh, of course, we've all gotten the backstory on how he felt like all the holies were taken. Holy cow, holy Toledo's. <laughs> Yeah, you know, they they'd already been taken, but um his mother used to use that that phrase and you know, it just there was a wholesomeness about it, you know, almost like a gee whiz mm -hmm. um such a good hearted, good spirited, kind of boyish um sound to it all. A golly gee, you know, all America kind of wow factor. Yeah. And it felt so right coming from him. You know, he had that smile on his face and that energy in his voice and, you know, that that tilt of the head. And, and it just it was Dick. It just uh, he was special. You know, I I felt like last year, and I think I said this on your show, how badly I felt that as he was retiring from the Padres at the same time that, that yes. Mr. Scully was mm -hmm. retiring from the Dodgers, that it didn't get, uh, it didn't get the acclaim nationally that Scully's retirement. And I, I, I really downright grieved about it. I, and I told this to some friends, it really bothered me. Um, and I didn't understand it. Now I think I do now because I see what's happened 
you know, Dick's passing, he's definitely gotten all the, the, the recognition that I thought he deserved a year ago. But it like it's what it was, I think, more than anything, it was a, people looked at Dick as then because he had done so many different things. And he had said his goodbye to national television, to NBC and CBS and doing some tennis for, for ESPN, that then was so recognized for being all of those years with the Dodgers. That's what that was about. You know, that's why there was so much attention to all those glorious years of, of service for, for Vin and, and that franchise. And Dick had not been with the Padres anywhere close to the, to the length of time that, that Vin had been uh, with the Dodgers organization. But anyway, through all this, one, I guess I'm trying to say is, man, this guy, there's no one any bigger than him that's ever put on a headset. So I've, I've been happy to see that there's been so much love around around the country for Dick um, because he he really deserves he, he deserves it and he deserves for people to be talking about him with the awe that uh, I'm hearing in your voice hopefully you hear in mine um, and it just does my heart a lot of good uh, that you know people recognize that his his life was really was really meaningful and and special and made a difference to people. Uh, I can tell you he did with with mine, and um, you know I I can only imagine how hard it is to this day for his uh, for his family, for Barbara, and for his kids, and <clears throat> all the all the family what what this has been like. Um, but I, I just uh, I just hope that uh, that they've gotten the message from a lot of people that uh, we appreciate how much that uh, they allowed us to be able to have Dick in our, in our lives. You know, it's a, uh, when a guy gets that big and you're, a, you know, you're a, you're, you're a, a, a child of a, of a icon like this, or you're married to an icon like this, you know, you, I guess you realize pretty soon that your world, you're sharing this special individual with, you know, he's not just yours. He belongs to, he belongs to everybody. You know, everybody's, you know, he steps foot in public or he shows up at a sporting event, you know, he takes on a whole new meaning to us and events do too. And it, it, it's got to be hard. It's got to be hard to, to, to let your loved one uh, to be shared and for so many people to be a part of his life. And that's time away from you and from your kids. Um, but I can't imagine anyone ever handling it any better than he did. It'd be as grounded as family minded his loving and as true and genuine as Dick was to everybody. Boy, so well said. Really well said. Jim, to be continued, uh, enjoy the NFL playoffs. Thank you so much for talking to us about Dick Emberg, and I look forward to the next time. No, I got to tell you, I want to thank you guys for asking me to come on and talk about Dick because uh, it's something that, uh, that, you know, a lot of things that just – been circulating around in my head, and I appreciate you guys giving me the, the chance to talk to someone. Boy, who, just uh, listening to you talk, though, is just it's it's bringing a lot back for me. You know, I'm just thinking about I'm thinking out loud now, and I know we got to get to a break, but let me tell you something. I told the story yesterday, but now there's more coming back to me. Dick called me about two years ago. Uh, we were doing a game here in San Diego, and it was actually it might have been last season. Now that I think about it, it was um, Dan Fouts, myself, and um, Ken Mack, producer. And right. Dick called me and said, hey, would you do me a favor? And, of course, anytime he ever started with that, I said, you just name it, I'm there. And, um, and he said, would you organize a dinner? Ask Dan, ask Ken. 
Um, you know, bring Dan should bring his wife. If Ken's wife is traveling, if yours, you know, he said, just, just everybody should come to my house after the game. Barbara and I are going to cook dinner and it would really mean a lot to me if you guys would all come. So I said to Ken and, and to Dan Fouts, I said, Hey guys, you know, Dick is inviting us to his house for dinner on Sunday night after the game. Is everybody cool? So of course everybody said, yes, we're flattered to be invited and not to go to a restaurant, to be at their home and have them cook for us. This is going to be really cool. So I didn't know this story at the time, but I was sitting next to Dan Fouts' wife, and she winds up telling me the story that she was Dick's personal assistant, and that's actually how she met Dan. Wow. And that, I and, didn't know that. And here all these years later, they're married. And as I sit here right now and I'm talking to, the, to you, I can see the whole table right now, and I'm sitting next to Dan's wife, and one of the most important decisions in my life, I don't even want to get into it right now, was made right there on the spot. She was telling me something so important, and I, I made a decision right there in my life. I'm like, okay. I've got to make some changes right now based on what she's telling me. And it was such an important night. Like, I'm thinking back to it now going, Dan Fouts, I don't care. I mean, whatever. Um, and and Barbara is just wonderful. And I'm in the kitchen and we're talking and we're, we're preparing. And, and Dick's out working the grill. And, and Ken's out there. And when we all sat down, we were in such a deep conversation. And everybody was involved. But Dan's wife said some really impactful stuff. And again, I, I guess my point is, I went on to make these really, really important changes, and I wouldn't have been there if Dick had not invited me and, and had not invited me to invite. He used me as the liaison. He could have called Ken. He could have called Dan. Yeah. He used me as the liaison. And, and a really important decision had to be made that night. It's just, it's just amazing. It's just, I, I, feel, I, I never could believe it. Every time he would call me, I, I'd see his name come up on my phone. Dick Emberg has my phone number. <laughs> Dick Emberg knows my name. Oh, my God. Yes. Yes. No, you never, you never quite can believe it. So I asked, uh, I'll leave you with this. I asked the producer of this TV show um, today, as we're doing this voiceover again, hooked up via satellite. I said, do you have any idea what, what we said at the end of the show? I mean, how, you know, how did I think, Dick, at the end of the show? Because he made the show. And again, he had called that game and he had so many rich, memories of that game and what it meant to him, what it meant to basketball. And he said, well, you know what you said, Jim? He said, you said, uh, you thanked uh, Elvin, you thanked Don Chaney, you thanked Seth Davis, and then you looked at Dick and you said, bless you, Dick Ember. Bless you, Dick Ember. Mm -hmm. I don't know why I would have said that, but that's what came naturally to me at that time. And that's all I want to say right now. Bless you, Dick Ember. Thank you for... Uh, for being such a wonderful man to so many people. Amen to that. Jim, we'll talk again real soon. Thank you so much. Thanks, thank you, guys. All the best. I want to thank everybody for tuning in to the first ever Scott Kaplan solo podcast. And a lot of exciting conversation coming up as the year goes on from things related to sports and all the other things that I know I have interest in, business, lifestyle, women, money, Etc., 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 kids, parenthood, youth sports. I mean, we're going to have a really great 2018. And thanks for being a part of the first ever Scott Kaplan solo podcast.